the Roll Call, the podcast where two seasoned educators, myself Karina, my co-host Shalena, dive into the vibrant world of early education. Our mission is to create a community hub for educators and caregivers alike, offering a platform where questions find answers and experiences are shared. In each episode, we'll explore our values and philosophy in early education, share personal anecdotes, and engage in conversation with you, the listener. The heart of our show lies in reading and responding to your letters, addressing the challenges, triumphs, and burning questions in the field. Roll Call is not just a podcast. We hope it will become a space for connection, growth, and the celebration of the incredible work happening in classrooms and homes every day. Join us on this educational journey. Our class is always in session. I mean, I could definitely, I could definitely hear it from the I'm changing the levels. Do we know how to do this? No. Are we going to do it anyway? All right. Oh, look at all the books you got. Yeah. I, I asked you to bring your collection of books. I have a lot of articles, too, that I would say. This one's, like, obviously my favorite. The 100 Languages of Children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one's yeah. like a Bible. And the way that they write it, too, is biblical. Yes. Like, they're very inspiring. Yes. Lots of different writers. I think that these, a lot of these books, they have titles that parents would gravitate to. Like The Explosive Child. The Explosive Child. A new approach to understanding and parenting easily frustrated chronically inflexible children. Yes. That sounds like an opinion. That was my middle child. <laughs> so that's you were the parent that, that book. Yes. This one's good too. Yes. The art of sensitive parenting, conscious parenting, all of these things. Conscious like parenting that. is this like a gentle parenting. Like they they keep uh, rebranding this yes. approach. Anyone who cares for children needs to attend the essential message of this book. But the first two years are the most crucial time in a child's education and development. Two and years. Children learn to be healthy and whole by living with healthy, whole adults. Okay. And so it's not your run-of-the-mill parenting book. <laughs> Good. It has common sense appeal. I like this one, Punished by Rewards. This, yeah. Oh, I love that because parents like to put in reward systems for potty training yes. in my classroom. And I'm like, oh, please don't. I'm an M's. I'm yeah. an M's. We have some kids doing that right now. We're marbles. And it feels really, I can't, I just listen. I don't, I mean, I brought this book to school. When like, parents oh, tell you that that's what they're doing. Yes. Because eventually they're going to find out it's not working. Yeah. And I guess I should... I should have more. I mean, we don't have any parent meetings, but mm. I brought this book to school. You know, I have some good friends that constantly are doing these things. Like everything is, if you do this, then you do that. If you, And it's like, you just get into, it's like a never ending negotiation. It just yeah. doesn't work. Well, that's why, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's a good strategy to just listen to parents when they're talking about the reward system they're using, mm -hmm. because eventually it will stop working. Not even eventually, like two weeks maybe. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, my chart. They're, they, don't give, they don't give a shit about the chart anymore. I'm like, yes. yeah, girl, can I tell you that reward systems? <laughs> they don't work. <laughs> they don't work, but they come to it on their own. And then they come back to the teacher. And you're like, oh, yeah, let me tell you. There's a bunch of research that reward systems, like the M&Ms in the, like every time you put the P in the potty, mm -hmm. you get an M&M. Like the experience is the reward. The independence is the reward. You get to flush the toilet, right. wash your hands. You get to be with your mom for a little bit. Like all of this is like the input, the back and forth that children need to accomplish something. And like, why are you rewarding 
repeat. Something that you do. That everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I mean, yes. Not to mention, like, don't get me started with, like, the toys and the dentist and at every place that kids go. Yeah, and but that's that's the problem. That's the, um, that's the dentist who's making that choice. And, like, that's just a time-honored kind of thing where, like, you go to the dentist can't believe they give lollipops at dentists like my dentist yeah. gave candy yeah to owen when he got his braces they were like sugar free right? no oh, they were like it was halloween candy they're like well, i got rid of this i'm like i don't i don't want that that's surprising do you have to say yeah we when i was a kid and we went to the dentist or actually i'd never went to the dentist until i was 16 so let's scratch oh. that story i know it's the whole actually whole i have a similar story. i have i mean did you grow up poor? You grew up poor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, same. So I like the first time that I went to the dentist, I was like 16, 15, 16, and I had to get my wisdom teeth pulled like pretty pretty much immediately. Did they hurt? Did you go because they were hurting? Yeah, they were impacting the growth of the okay. But yeah, the whole for the dentist giving away the Yeah, yeah. Just, that's just something that's baked into the cake now yeah. with dentists. They just yeah. do it because the dentist they knew as a kid did it and like everybody does it. So yes. like how do you buck the trend? Right. But that to me it goes back to when you were talking about the toilet. The reason why I said that is cuz like when you're going back to the toileting, it's like the the reward for going to the dentist is that your teeth are cleaned or they're checked or that's the reward. It's just that. And it's just you something you have to do. Yes. You have to learn how to take care of your body. Right. Same with potty training. You are taking care of your body. And in this way, you'll be independent. Yeah. When you go to the dentist, you have to rely on somebody else to do the deep cleaning or whatever. But like, it's just part of the checklist of things right. you have to do to take care of your right. body. Like you have to brush hair. You have like, everyone was always so impressed that Owen would actually brush his hair, but we had had conversations like, well, you want your hair to be long because it was COVID hair. Mm -hmm. Like you want your hair to be long. If you want your hair to be long, you're going to have to brush it. You're going to have to take care of it. And he totally got it, right. you know, like, and, and the reward was like, yeah, he, he didn't get like the nests, nests. <laughs> the tangles and the dreadlocks. I want to, let's see. The self-aware parent. Yes, that's Mary Hartzell, of course. Oh, no, this is Fran Walfish. And I actually, I got to see this therapist again when my middle child was having a terrible, terrible time. And that's another story for another day. <laughs> I went to this therapist. She was like $275 an hour. Very good. And you know, her main thing, it's kind of, it's similar to Mary, you know, parenting from the inside out, which it's really like you have to be aware of your, what's going on with you. Yes. To be able to parent your child well. Yeah. Like that's it in a nutshell. Which I, I had think a parent this week say to me, because I was telling I was talking to them about like, so one of the only ways you can get the, her child to go down for nap is you gotta make him cry. Like he's only going down when he's crying. Like he won't fall asleep if he's not crying. Or I, I mean don't... he's had a couple of times right. Yes. He's had a couple of times where he will go to sleep quietly. But it's only been a couple of times, and we're in February. It's like since we've known this kid since August, yeah. right? So, yeah. like, we're expecting things to get easier as it goes along because we have the same routine every day. Like, everyone goes down for a nap in the same room. So, like, why is he crying? Well, it turns out he's still in a crib. So, the he thinks he should have more control by being on mats at school because he could crawl away or do whatever. And he would. He would crawl away if you let him. But because there's a teacher there to kind of bring him back to the mat and reinforce the expectation that we have to sleep, he cries mm -hmm. because he's not in control of the situation. Like he doesn't cry in his crib because he, they just put him in and walk away 
and he crawls around, does what he does, and and goes to sleep oh, okay. eventually, okay. right? But it's not. But then at nap time, he's still crying a little bit. At bedtime, he doesn't because he's so tired. But I was talking to mom, and like, and she was saying, I was telling her, you know, it's now February. We're expecting it to get a little easier, the crying to be a little less, but it's not. If he's not falling asleep after forty five minutes, can we get up and? put him in the yard like go out and do something because as long as you're on your mat right you're resting you've satisfied licensing requirements like that he rest for a while on his mat and she said yes and one of the things she said to me is like she said oh and there's only so much cortisol she had said something like his crying releases cortisol into my system as an adult and there's only so much of that I can take before I I don't know snap (laughs) and and I appreciated her first of all making it a biological thing and not an emotional thing because it was it's about cortisol levels I don't know how me as a teacher like I think that probably mother's cortisol levels would go up higher faster stronger your child yes it's very different hearing your child we don't like hearing children cry but I don't like hearing children cry for sure but I didn't want to explain to her like yeah I kind of don't care. Yeah, you don't have the same reaction. I, I'm intellectually telling you that he's crying for this amount of time. And I don't, you know, that it looks sad for him. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he actually feels. Like, yes. I think he's just frustrated, frustrated, and tired. tired. And he'll like, he'll like, he'll scratch his eyes to keep them open. Wait, he'll like do something you? small. He just turned two. Like he'll do something small to like. So he, he'll scratch the wall or okay. he'll use his feet against the wall or whatever. And so you're just like, dude, you are keeping yourself awake, like on purpose, just by doing little things. Right. Like, and I and I know I can see that that's probably what he does in his crib. But because he doesn't get any input, it's like the end of the day. At nighttime, he can't keep that up very long, right? <laughs> he's going to go to sleep. Like two hours It's boring. Later. Yeah, exactly. And he's still scratching at the wall. No, he's going to fall asleep. And it's predictable. At nap time at school, it's less predictable. You've got people who are crying some days, sometimes not. You've got people who are teachers coming in and out of the classroom at unpredictable times. Not that that really bothers children, but it, you know, it's like you're trying to fall asleep or you don't want to fall asleep. You're like tuned into the activity yeah. around you as a way to keep yourself awake. Yeah. Because that's what I see for him. Yeah. Now, as soon as I talked to her about it, he was there in the room. And I, and I love talking to children when parents are like, I like talking to parents about the children's challenges while the children are around, because even if it doesn't look like he was paying attention, mm-hmm. I know he, he totally was. Yes. That day, he fell asleep. <laughs> he without, did? Totally without, he just went, <laughs> and then fell asleep. Nice. I know. The next day? Well, that happened on a Friday. Okay. Like, I, uh, you know. Fingers crossed. Monday. I know. I'm just going to, maybe I'll talk to her again in front of him. Like, by the way, he (laughs) made a, he fell asleep. I I swear it's because he heard us talking. Okay. What else? So this is self-aware parent. This is, so if some of these, honestly, I haven't read and honestly, I haven't. Oh, Dan Siegel. Yes. We saw him. Yes. And this is teenagers. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that we, I don't know if we're talking about teenagers here. This is. You know what? You've heard the term three-nagers. Well, yes. My aunt likes to say, she says, like, it's the terrible twos. I feel bad about saying, hey, don't people say yes. terrible and twos? Like, the effing fours. They're all, all the stages are got bad parts and good parts. Yeah. Just like all of our stages of life. 
Like the terrible twos, I feel like, oh man, that's sad because first of all, it's it's a bad rap. Yes. Right. And I feel like these people are just so close to being babies, but have so much want so much independence, but still want to be very close to their caregivers. And they're like, it's a tricky place to be where you're like, I want to do this for myself, but I actually want to be taken care of. And then at that time, parents are usually having another kid. Yes. Where they're like, wait, I'm the baby. So terrible twos. Mm. Yeah. And it also is very, like, it is very much like do, the teenage years. Because exactly, like, they want to be close, so they want to get away. Yes, exactly. Like, I do see, I like the, I do like the term three-nager, but I think it could really, like, a two-nager. Like, I, I yes. because it's the same kind of thing. I feel like you would have a lot to learn from reading about yes. teenagers because. Yes. So, yeah. And I do do think, and this is, it says the power and purpose of the teenage brain. And it's talking about, you know, adolescent minds have important things to teach us. And they're still very elastic too at that yes. age, right? So and there's we, a lot to learn. Yeah. We kind of just put them in this category, which we do with every age. And that's something like going back to the three natures, the two, like, aren't we always, all of us in perpetuity, like evolving and going through different we stages? Should hope. We should hope. <laughs> so it's interesting <laughs> that we kind of categorize, I mean, yeah, whatever, there's what, infancy, preschool or toddler, preschool, toddler, preschool, elementary school age. School, yes. And then what? It's school age. Until you graduate Until and then you're like college. School. Student. You're in school. Yeah. Okay. All right. So those are the three sta- or four stages. It's huge. Yes. And this is a book that I have not read, but I really, really want to read it. Okay. It says, it's far from the tree. It won the National Book Award. Or no. National Book Award winning author of The Noonday Demon. And it says, a book everyone should read, and there's no one who wouldn't be more imaginative and a more imaginative and understanding parent or human being. Or human being. Everyone. Winner of 11 National Awards. A masterpiece of nonfiction, the culmination of a decade's worth of research and writing. It should be required reading for psychologists, teachers, and above all, parents. Okay, a bold and unambiguous call to redefine redefine how we view difference and I think difference difference yes mm-hmm. he writes of families with deafness dwarfism down syndrome autism schizophrenia I don't know this book was highly recommended and I haven't read it so okay, I will I'll, I'll read it after I'm done with my money and slide book holy shit it's so it's, heavy yes it is <laughs> and this of course is like decoding boys I have all of these books oh that nice kind of like gender based but now I feel like I can't even give them to parents because it's like such a a loaded yeah I can't even and of course I feel like when I was a teacher this is old this book is from a long time ago this was from Mary's library but first edition is 1974 and when I first taught well that was my second preschool there's a woman named Fran. She made me read, I think it was, I feel like it was The Wonder Years by Penelope Leader. Is that by the Sears? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what? I wanted to, I wanted you to talk more about Mary Hartson because that's how we met. Yes, we met absolutely. My, my good friend, Shalana Kennedy. This is how we <laughs> got to be together, yes. right? Yes. Tell me, tell, I didn't get to work with Mary because when I showed up at the school, she was in her last year where she was only part-time. Yes. So... You you had an opportunity to work with her. Absolutely. So I will say, I came to meet, sent my kids to First Press only because I was working at Crossroads, and the art teacher, the studio teacher, was Laura Alvarez, 
Okay. Did you ever meet her? No. Okay, so she was Laura Alvarez. I had one of her kids in my class, and I would go into the art studio, and it was incredible and just so rich. And I just saw the way she. This worked. was at Crossroads. At Crossroads, okay, right? And so then so, she was like, "If you think this is cool, I got this." Yes, because she had been the studio teacher at First Press. Okay. She also was married to Mary's son, Jules. Oh, like, okay. or no, Evan. Sorry, Evan Pretzel. They've been married for like thirty years, and they, I guess, they met in art school. They're artists. So anyway, so I sent my kids to First Press. Luckily, Charlie got in, and he was the first one. So my first interactions with Mary were as me as parent. a parent and her as a director. And Mary was just so sweet, like the kind of woman that you just, you know, she just made everybody feel like she loved them. She was very beautiful and elegant, and, you know, she had a sense of humor. She was just, like, somebody that you gravitated towards and you loved. And she, Was course, she researching inside, parenting from the inside out at that point, or had oh, she, she written it with Dan? Yeah. She wrote that with Dan Siegel, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. And that book, I mean, it was definitely out at that point. I mean, I feel like maybe it had been out for a while. But Mary... And parenting from the inside out is sort of like that conscious parenting. Yes. It's kind of the idea, idea again, of, like, you have to know what's going on with you to figure out what is and I actually I have a bunch of like notes from talking to Mary about it but I think what Mary she was obviously an expert on kind of whole child and development and just that that age group yeah and what I heard about her was that she never stopped trying to learn more too oh never because she pushed the school into the Reggio Emilia approach right that constructivist yes philosophy instead of the traditional because I think I mean the story that I heard was that she read the article about the you know top I think it was like the top 10 best schools or I don't know if it was 100 or I think it was Newsweek had an article of like the 10 best schools in the world and she read that article and the Reggio schools were mentioned and just reading it she was like oh this is kind of this is what we do but she wanted to know more Ah. So she contacted the teachers of the institute in Italy and said, can you have, or I don't know if they first went there and visited or if they had some, like Amelia or somebody come out. But that's that was how, a long time ago. Yeah. So like. In the 80s, 1991 or something. Right. So like 100 language, Languages of Children. Yeah. When was that first published? Because I feel like she even. The first, I feel like it would be 2012. See, that's crazy. So she predates. Yes. Like her interest in Reggio predates the 100 Languages of Children. And now you've got the 100 Languages of Children exhibit that goes around the world. And Reggio has really gotten so, to me, in my mind, Mary Hartzell. Yeah. She like kicked that off for them. Absolutely. Made them consultants. Absolutely. And I think that's why, I mean, First Press for a long time had this like huge reputation because I think, I do think she well, was Well, they also had a reputation because we had a lot of celebrities. Yeah. So. But I don't think before the Reggio. I mean, Not maybe, before? Well, maybe because Diane Keaton's child went there. So that had to have been before. When that. I first started at First Press, Toby McGuire's kid was there. We had Steven Spielberg's granddaughter in my class. Yeah. Who else? Owen Wilson, like to name yeah. drop a bunch. Like, it was a very trouble? famous school. <laughs> Um, no, no one's going to listen to this, Shalina, so it's not even a... Oh, I'm literally... 
Oh, but celebrating. Well, they're calling. mentioning their child's name. How about that? Like their child's name, but they're public. They're like yes, and, and this is teen, they're teenagers. Or and they used to have exactly, and yeah. they used to have paparazzi that would yes, that would show up. Like Ben Affleck's kid, they pulled because it was too much paparazzi. Yeah, right. I will I, say one of my kids was too in much, school yeah. with Apple. Can't say their name. Oh, yeah, just kidding. Protect <laughs> 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 the children. Yes, yeah. Actually, like the public yeah. knows these names, so it's hard. Yes. Like I've actually like they're still in Santa Monica. So when Owen went to Roosevelt Elementary in Santa Monica, we would run into Ben Affleck's family getting ice cream. Yeah, I remember one time sitting at the table, and it was like cloud had come across the sky because like it was so sunny. It's so sunny in Santa Monica, right? But we're sitting there eating ice cream and all of a sudden the windows went black. Like everything went really, really dark. And I look up and the windows are just paparazzi. Paparazzi just like click 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 click. I'm like, what the heck? And I turn and it's Ben Affleck with his with a couple of his kids who look just like their mom. And I was like, who and Owen's and Owen, oh my God, he's like, who's that? <laughs> What's going on? Why are they taking pictures? Like, shh. Oh my god! But how much money do they get for those pictures? I mean, I feel like I don't think they get very much money anymore. Like, is it worth it? I don't think it's the. It's not the nineties anymore. Like, I don't think you can get a bunch of pictures. Like, but going back to Mary Hustle, yeah, Mary was warm. She was loving. She had a sense of humor. She was beautiful, knowledgeable, very empathetic, very sweet. You know, I will tell you, like, this is a personal story. Like my middle child, which I have to say, I now understand that he should have, you know, as a parent, like how many times do you the shoulda, woulda, couldas, like hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. So he was at a family daycare, a woman named Ildiko, who I love. Oh, Ildiko, yeah. Yes, Ildiko. Yeah. So she was, he was at a family daycare. Charlie, it was, it was going into his second year at first press. So he started in the Rose Room. So he was like three and a half to four and a half. He was starting his next year and leo i wanted to move him to first press because i wanted one pickup and drop up i was teaching at crossroads mm-hmm. and they were even though like technically so ildicos is on like 26th street yeah but first you press have three places street. that you're going yes so in my mind i'm like we'll put leo at first press in the rainbow room he's two and a half you know it'll be easier one pickup one drop up blah 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 well leo because of whatever. He was kind of pre-verbal. He was not ready to do small groups and all of that stuff. And I will say, looking back now, I mean, that's more my fault than his fault. I mean, that's than a, the school's fault. Because I feel like they do a lot, like a lot of the small work, some of the small group work at that age, like some of the kids just, they're not ready. Yeah. Trying to find words or language, you know, asking questions. Actually, but this part has to be yeah. edited out. Don't put that in. I'm not going to say anything bad. It's all my so anyway, no, no, I, but we, I, do, we should talk about preschool fit. Okay. So, but I put Leo in first press. He wasn't ready. So he was having like meltdowns. He was throwing things because, and my theory was like, he couldn't speak. So that's, and he started oh, really yeah. acting out right. in a crazy way. Oh. So Mary, you know, we had a meeting with Mary and I guess I'll say she gave us some subjects, some suggestions about like writing books. Like she was really into like making a book of like Leo's day. Leo wakes up, you know, and so having the child narrate or you narrate if they are not able to that, like their day and just having it frames like they have a reference for like the Leo wakes up, 
Mommy wakes up, Daddy wakes up, Charlie wakes yeah, up. Yeah, the idea yeah. is that if children know what's happening next, they'll feel like they're more in control, right. that they like there's some predictability to it. Right. They can Okay. So she recommended that and then I think maybe a calendar. Whatever the main thing is that I was going through a really hard time. Leo was being I mean, he threw a car at Anna Maria's mouth. Oh like yeah, hurt her. And so the main thing is she was never judgmental. She was always very, very empathetic and understanding. So I think Mary's, you know, besides all of her knowledge and her, like her real gift was like connecting with people yeah. and making them feel like safe and not bad right. about their parenting. I'd say that was like her biggest, you know, not her biggest. She has so many qualities and gifts and assets. So that was one of like one of the ones that I appreciated the most. So she was really genuinely sympathetic and empathetic and not judgmental. She never made you feel bad. Which is so key. Which is so yes. key. Because you want to come into all of your relationships with parents thinking they're doing the best they can with the tools they have. So let's see what other tools can we give them if they're having a hard time in a particular way. Absolutely. And it's not about lacking, right? Absolutely. Or doing something it's, wrong. Right. Doing something wrong. It's about filling up. Yes. Right. Yeah. I like that. I think... Um, there's like a whole gamut of teachers in one school. And for context, we're talking about preschool. You got we we started in preschool. We are, yes. we're still in preschool. You yes. work at LA Nature Kids. I work at Wilshire Boulevard Temple, ECC. And you've been teaching preschool. If I go like from the first time I was in an actual class, like 30 years. 30 I'm years. So and I think the first time I took a place of University Plaza Nursery School. So I was like NYU. I'd been in financial or in the yeah the New York financial aid department. I think I had started babysitting, so I applied to this preschool yeah. that's close to Washington Square Park. You know, it was opened. I want to say like seven thirty to six. Oh yeah, so these working parents, hours. working parents, yeah. and these kids like it was. An, you had to go maybe a two story, two floor walk up. We would walk to Washington Square Park with them on the chain gang. You know, on the yeah, yeah, that's which was so humiliating. And then sometimes they'd get to go to the roof, they'd play on the roof, but it was like just concrete. That school, they had no, there was no discussion of anything. Audrey, the the director, would be smoking, chain smoking in her office while the kids. The only thing I remember at my interview, she's like, "We don't tell the kids no," and I was like, "Well, this is kind of new at that okay. time." Like, we, yeah, we don't say no, but they would be say that's not okay. And the, the Which teachers, is the same thing, yes. by the way. And <laughs> teachers, by the end of the day, they'd be <laughs> like screaming, like, you might as well just say no. Yeah. Like, they're screaming. Yeah. It was such a wild chaotic. I don't think I only stayed there for like a couple, maybe, I think I got ended up getting a nanny job because I wasn't making enough money. Oh, yeah. As um, a teacher, it's very hard to make yeah, enough money. I wasn't. And it was in the summer and I ended up, but that, but that was my first job in a preschool. So I would say that was like 30 years ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely 21, maybe, maybe 20. So yeah, 30 years ago. And I started, you know, babysitting at age seven, my cousin Taylor. And then I babysat. That's too young through. to be babysitting. Well, but, my dad was yeah. asleep in the other room. But I remember I also... No, it counts. Yes. yes. It definitely counts as babysitting. Yeah. Like she was a baby. Do you oh, remember I, how you felt about doing it? I loved it. I mean, that's the whole thing. That's why they took advantage of that. Mm -hmm. But I also do... Dr. Spock, that was probably the first parenting book that I ever read. I'm not, I don't know if it's parenting, or it's like baby care, but I remember reading the Dr. Spock book when I was very young. Now, Dr. Spock has gone in and out of fashion. Yes. 
there's something that's taken him out of fashion recently. Hmm. What is it? I don't know. Is there something that is there something from Dr. Spock where you're like, oh, I wouldn't probably practice that now? Um, I don't know. Do I, like, should I look up like Dr. Spock? <laughs> Dr. Spock. Recently, I haven't heard anything. But I mean, it's it's old fashioned. It's like right? old fashioned stuff. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like these parenting things go in and out of fashion. I don't see any article recently. Spock at sixty-five. Five ideas that changed American parenting. Common sense book. Is there any? We'll have to look at. Yeah, we'll have to we'll look have it. To up. Come back to that because you still hear about him, but not as much. There's the 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 different parenting styles that come in and out, right? Yes. Like right now, the gentle parenting, which is getting, which I don't know, in teacher circles, getting yes. some backlash where they think that behaviorally children are acting different because parents are too far into the like you said your director told you we don't say no which right. actually i mean on the surface i i kind of practice that myself i only yeah. say no if if safety like mm-hmm. i have a safety voice that's mm-hmm. a safety word like no stop you mm-hmm. know when somebody's going to get hurt or yes 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 and you don't want to say no to a child who wants to explore something or who wants to be part of an activity or who wants to go to an area of the classroom. Yeah. Like, why would you? I think, you know. But it is a common thing in schools. Like, maybe she did elucidate why Mm -hmm. you would not say no. But it's a common idea now. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, isn't part of the we don't say no is because they stop listening. If you say no all the time, they don't mm. hear it. So, I mean, I, I don't know what her, I mean, there's also, you know, no is negative. We don't say it because they stop. I mean, there are many reasons why. It's also like one of the first words no. that children will say yes. because that's like one of the first words they hear from their parents. <laughs> yes. And so after, like, yeah. once you get to school, you're like, just yeah you don't want to hear no so let's not say no yeah I mean I think that kind of makes sense I do like the whole yeah language is very important but again it's your tone like you were saying before I think you said like our tone is just as important as the words and it's interesting you know the focus sometimes on words themselves but I understand first press we were talking about this earlier they're they're really strict about how you talk to children and what you can and can't say to them. And one of the things like that we really talked about a lot was, I mean, Loris Balaguzzi, who has some essays in 100 Languages of Children, you know, said that as soon as you teach a child something, you've, paraphrasing and butchering it, but as long if you teach a child something, you've taken away the opportunity for them to learn it themselves. Mm-hmm. So that idea of being a teacher has kind of gone through an evolution, at least when you're talking about preschools that ascribe to a constructivist philosophy, like that children learn best in small groups, which is what First Press was, and which a lot of schools, like my school is like that too, where they, a lot of emphasis on small groups. So children learn best with their peers, given enough time with a teacher facilitating. Right. That's the constructivist approach. And And within that framework, there's not a lot of room for no. Right. Right. That makes sense. But at well, that school that I was at, there was no constructivism. <laughs> so it was like, it was like ground zero for like frustrated teachers and children, quite frankly, that were... Oh man, once a teacher gets frustrated. Yes. But these kids, they probably, I cannot imagine being in school all day, eight to six for these little ones. 
And I'm sorry. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But, okay. And I have to push back on this right away yes. because we all have to be somewhere for the day, right? Like, and parents have to work. Well, they shouldn't. I mean, that's like, we can get into like philosophical things about our yeah, particular like society. But the reality is, it's like two working parents full time. No, there's something wrong with our society where both parents have to work to afford a quality of life that is. Yeah, I agree with that. But so now, because that's so systemic, yes, like because that's a deep seated yes. thing that we're not going to be able to change within, like, especially living in Los Angeles. <clears throat> we're in this conversation, we yeah. can't do anything like mm-hmm. to change that idea, that thing, that very real reality. Mm-hmm. And going back to the idea that parents are doing the best they can, that they're working with the tools they have, and they are renting an apartment in Los Angeles that is costing with their two children, right? Their two point five children that's costing them between three and four thousand dollars a month. Both parents have to work. I think that this is why you do have to really consider fit when it comes to a preschool or a day school. You, you, like your children are going to be there from eight to six. So you have to consider fit first. Well, I mean, most people choose preschools based on how close it is to their house. That's what I was going to say. Like, honestly, you have to say that. I mean, I say that to parents all the time because, you know, especially being on the West Side, there are a lot. It's less so with the LA Nature Kids parents. Like, they're not all signing up for private schools but I have parents that I will tell like go to your local school yes because yeah you're going to be in your neighborhood it's close to your house you're going to spend more you're going to be able to spend more time with your kids if especially if you can walk to school and walk home yeah because honestly and this is why I tell parents too it's like yeah okay I'm sorry you have to work eight to six so does your husband or your wife and like that's that's hard and you feel like you're missing out with your children and I totally understand that. So here's what you can do. You can build in like 15, 20 minutes a day of just like you and me, kid, you and me, we're here. We're, this is our time together. And if you're explicit with it about it, your children are going to think about those times. Remember those times. And they're not going to be like, my mom was working the whole time. You know, like they're going to remember the walk home from school. Absolutely. Did you hear Mary talk about that? No. no. Well, look oh, at she over here. Natural miracle. Well, this is why I feel like in this podcast, yeah. I'm qualified to sit next to you because I have not been working for 30 years. I've only yes. been working for 10. Yeah. But because I widely read. Yes. And passionate about the fields, yes. even if I don't like being a teacher anymore. <laughs> Be real. You're a natural. You're a natural and an intellectual, I would think. I think about these yeah. things a lot and yes. I want to make sure that the parents that I work with know that I'm confident in them, that I know that they love their kids, yes. even if they have to drop them off at 745 yes. and pick them up at five o'clock. Yes. And it's interesting going back, kudos to you because that is something Mary Hartzell did talk about all the time. She talked about, cause you know, I do think, you know, going back to like self-aware inside out, being aware mm-hmm, of what you're mm-hmm. feeling, you know, there's a lot of anxiety created. Again, we can go back to the systemic things, but this idea, like, nobody wants to, like, I certainly had, you know, I worked part-time, sometimes, sometimes full-time, but it's like, there's just this constant, you know, battle going on between, like, getting people places and then, like, the guilt. There's a lot of guilt 
And so that's another thing. If we're having a society where we require two working families, maybe we take that out of the equation, but it's hard not to feel like... Because childcare, you know, because rent is too damn high, right? Mm -hmm. But childcare is so freaking expensive too on top of it. And if you want to find a good preschool with teachers who are qualified and like where the ratio is lower from children to teachers, that costs money. Yeah. And I know that some people, you know, like, I want people to choose their community schools. Yes. Like, just like I want people to choose their public schools that are also in their yeah. communities. Like, don't sign your kids up for Wildwood when you have Roosevelt yes. down the street from you. Like, yeah. trade in the cachet of a private school for, like, the walks to school. Like, and making, in this way, we'd also assure that our schools would be would have some diversity and inclusion Absolutely. in That's, it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wait, anyway, Mary Hartzell said, all you need is 15 minutes a day. So yeah. she would say yeah. to parents, totally. like, 15 minutes a day where you, Maybe let I did get it from choo- you let the child choose what they want to do. It could be yeah. dolls. It could be having a tea party. Mm-hmm. It could be making a book. It could be going for a walk. This especially works after you've just had a baby too. If you've had a yes. baby, you say to your kid, and you'd be explicit about it. Was she like that? What did she say this to? Like you have to be explicit about this time because the kids remember yes. what you're saying. And so them. it's like it's dedicated time. It's just yes. the two of you. It's whatever they choose, and you are focused. Like you don't pick up your and people are not on their phones like they are now. But like no right. cell phones, That's no true. TV, no interruptions. Yeah. And so that just that piggybacking off of what you said, and yes. Local schools, people should give them a chance. Although a lot of people, it's not the fact, it's like the public school, it's like the rules and regulations that they don't agree with. The environment, a lot of people, like some, a lot of people are having issues right now with the public school system. Yeah, because they're teaching to a test. Yes. That kind of More thing. So, yeah, yeah right. funding, because that all happens, you have no child left behind. But like when you come, when it comes right yeah. down to it, we're not ruining kids doing this. Like yeah. it's not like kids are coming out of high school not wanting to learn more like most people want to go to college want to continue their education so even if people are complaining about the way that they do the funding and the testing there's still interest in college well i think i mean to me i would i personally i see that i mean i think the interest in college is more people feel like they have to go this is i mean people do have to go to college if you want to now now i feel like actually, you don't no, want to go to school at all. I, know, I just had that conversation when it's going to school there's that is it called unschooling? Yes. That. Yeah. A parent at my, at LA Nature Kids, she does that with her kids. Yeah. She has six kids. Yeah. And, and they can decide, I want to do a deep dive into the solar system. Right. And this is how, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, to me, it kind of makes sense to me in some ways. I mean, it is just another homeschooling. Yeah. It's a, but she also, she has, a, there's something, a school called DIG that she sends her older kids to, which is like, they get college credits at the same time they're in high school Yes, and they're doing what they're interested in. That's what in I'm doing. telling Owen was, he got high on a roll. Sorry, I'm bragging, but he got high on a roll. This, he's like, well, I want to, I might want to sign up for like the accelerated classes at school. And I, and I said, you know, no shade, but like, what are you going to get out of this? But more work, you know, like the mm-hmm. accelerated classes mm-hmm. you get. Instead of your one page of math problems, you get three. Do you want that? Right. <laughs> what, is, what do you get for this? Because if it's just more pressure on right. you, then you're already at high honor roll without, you know, like he does try. He, ha- yes. you know, without trying, I'm going to yes. put that in quotes. Yeah. He's getting, why put yourself through that if it doesn't net you anything? And I'm saying to him, like, wait till you're in high school where you can take AP courses and those classes count towards college right. credit. 
And maybe if you play your cards right, you can start college as a sophomore, right. you know, and only have three years left um, if he wants to go to college. Yes, he should. And I heard like man in Goodwill told me that that's exactly what he did. Like, like 40 years ago, he's like 70 or 80. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. I wish I, I mean, I wish I had done that. I took a couple of AP classes, but not enough to start as a sophomore. I was able to start as, it was credit. Yeah. It was credit. I don't know how much it saved me. I still have $100,000. <laughs> oh, Nelly. I, I know. Yeah, that's, I do, I think that I had took APs, but NYU, like, didn't honor the one that I took. Like, all I did was make it so I, instead of, like, my, in, like, language class, I got to take, like, a little bit different one, but it didn't, okay, take, yeah. didn't, I didn't get right. four credits at NYU. At, yeah. There was like a history class I didn't have to yeah. take, but I liked history. So I took history classes anyway. When, yeah. when it was time to pick classes, I'm like, oh, I'll take a class on the Civil War. But going back to the testing, I will say, like, I think mm. that, that No Child Left Behind really did do a disservice to, I feel, education and to teachers. Because what happened was a lot of, I mean, at least in my experience, I knew a few teachers, qualified teachers, good teachers, passionate teachers. Who ended up leaving because with No Child Left Behind came a whole curriculum. I think it was called like Open Court. And it was this uniform curriculum that like yeah. everyone had to use. Oh, see, I don't like that. That's why I like the California Court because it tells you what, and this is just in California, which is sad, but, and I don't know if it goes, if other states have the same thing, but California Court is like, here's what they need to know by the end of the semester. But how you get there as a teacher is up to you. Now? Yeah. Is that new? No, I don't think so. Because well, open court sounds like the opposite. <laughs> Is that also, in California? Yeah, yeah. These teachers that I okay. knew. Anyway, the main thing, like maybe they don't, I don't know. I'll have to find out more. But the open court, what they, you know, good teacher, you can teach anything. Like you could, you could be doing a lecture on babyhood or, you know, failure to connect. Or you could do a lecture on painting. Like, you know, yeah. and I think that one of, like, I feel like we have made a mistake with the teaching field by requiring people to have teaching degrees instead of just having degrees in subjects they're passionate about. And I think that it used okay. to be, I don't think you used to have to have your credential, credential. to teach. I think you had to have what, a certain degree and then you could be a teacher. And I think that what that does is it has a person that has a certain amount of education and hopefully who likes the age group that they work with teaching. And if you're a smart person, you can figure it out. Like teaching is not like, you don't. I feel like you have to really want to work with children. Yes. Right. And you have to, I think that, I mean, all of the classes in a master's program right now, it's about early childhood education. And I love early childhood. Like that's my mm -hmm. spot that I like to be in. Because of what you read on the back of one of those books, that the first two years, mm -hmm. I've always heard the first five years, that includes preschool, but first two years makes sense too, because, whoa, they're learning so much. Like, I used to work with infants at my daycare, and man, their work ethic is crazy. Like, if their eyes are open, they're learning. They're, yes. they're, they're doing something yeah. to learn. Yes. They're looking at their hands. They're looking at the sky. They're looking at your face. Like, it's all learning all the time. Yes. And at two, they've acquired the ability to kind of check out every once in a while, like to like offload, which I think is an essential human thing to learn how to do, where you just kind of like, okay, I'm going to go into my own space right now and not pay attention to the world around me. Anyway, I digress. Um, 
one of the things, what was it? Ta- what were we talking about before? We were talking about teaching. You're in a master's class. You yes, are, you have to like yes. children. Yes, so you have to want to be with children. And okay, that's that was my point. I think you have to commit yourself to continuing your own education Absolutely. as a teacher. Like, not that you have to take formal classes or get a credential because, you know, it's very easy to get a credential. You can get a credential if you want. I don't want to. No, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm not the, going back to school the ever. Royal, the royal you. Yes. Um, but yeah, you could read a book. Yes. Or you could be talking to somebody else who's equally passionate about, about childhood, about education, and learn something. So yes. as long as as a teacher, you're willing to say you are, you're a lifelong learner and you want to work with people who are life who are lifelong learners yeah, right now. Like this, yes, Isn't that what Amelia used to always say? Amelia Gabetti, she would come to First Press and do our lectures. I mean, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. A, a huge part of it is, yes, you are a researcher. You are, you are somebody that is open to continue. Like you don't know it all. None of us do. No, right. And you have, that's the attitude yeah. that you have. Right. And I do think, you know, going, going back to First Press, there is this attitude of like, it's, what is it? The, Three protagonists, parents, teachers, children. Yes. Right. Right. So they're equal in the equation. And I think that... And they're all working together and we all affect each other. Um, Yeah. The children are not... And I guess that's one thing I will say. It could be craziness or I don't know what. But when I was even very young, I always had the sense that I understood that children were just as intelligent, like babies. Like, I understood that the Ugh. babies were yeah. highly intelligent, that they were trying to say things. Like to they communicate were from with day me. one, for sure, for you sure. Know, all that. <laughs> so nobody told me, like, no one told me that. I just understood, like, they're a person. How about this? They're a person. But I think that's person. from your, but I, I think there are people in this world who are natural teachers, who, who can grow that skill to become, to become good teachers. Because I also think that if you don't grow, if you don't, like, educate yourself, you're, you're not going to be an effective teacher in the long run, right? But you have to come with that attitude. Because there are a lot of parents who will say, like, I have no idea. Like, I don't, babies. And, yeah. Until they can talk, I'm not interested. Yes. You know, like, I've heard that, like, it's no fun to hang out with my infant. I don't see, you know, because they can't do nothing. Yes. Um, but I never thought that way, you know, Absolutely. like, so I think that makes me a good early childhood educator. Like you like babies, right? I like babies. I like preschool. I've worked with the whole age range of preschool, right? And I can't say that I like, that I like one more than the other age, just that as a early childhood educator, I'm one of the teachers that like, will say I like working with the younger children. And a lot of teachers don't like, because we, both of us have worked in documentation-rich environments where you're taking notes, you're taking pictures, you're wanting to, like, to make the learning visible, to have some um, Reggio speak in there. Like, so you're taking photos, you're taking notes, and you're putting it up on the wall. So the parents, you're sending newsletters home so parents know the learning. Because, you know, parents could come into a preschool classroom and think, like, all they do is play all day. But as teach right, <laughs> roll your eyes. Yes. But as teachers, yeah. we know yeah. 
Oh, well, let me point out to you yeah. that in the block area, this is actually physics they're mm -hmm. learning, you know, like. And that they learn through play. And they learn through play. Like that's like the With primary. their peers, yes. facilitated by an adult, you know, yes. like we're learning all of these yes. things. And by the way, can I just say for the record, since, you know, I am done with education and I'm trying to get out of education, although I've had a lovely but time. But you're not going to ever stop thinking about it. No, no, no. I always, always, yeah. I, I will do something with parents. Because I need you to do this podcast. With yes, me. absolutely. But I will say like the focus on learning, like the constant mm. push of like, what are they learning? Like this kind of metric where they have, there's some kind of scale that we're judging I think it's only because they're paying so much money, Shalina. Yeah. I think it's because they're like, am I getting for <laughs> right, my money? Right, right. Yeah. They want, they want us to prove for kindergarten readiness, especially we have a TK and DK program at my school. And like, I think it really is just comes down to the money. Like, why am I <clears throat> paying so much money to send my kid to this school with right. these teachers to have these kinds of experiences when I could be sending them down the street to the, to an Ildico, right. a, a woman who's taking care of children out of her home, who doesn't have any special, who doesn't have curriculum or documentation right. or a high rate, like a all she has is high teacher to child ratio. Like, why not send my kid there where right. it's less money than why am I sending them here? And right. so I think it comes top down. Parents give the money to the school. The school says to the teachers, okay, prove to the parents. Right. But I actually like documentation because it keeps me honest. Like if I'm not taking notes and pictures of children of what they're doing to make the learning visible, I get bored. To me, it just feels like babysitting when I'm doing yeah. that. And so I want to like, and as an educator, I want to keep pushing for that. Like, okay, well, they're playing in the dramatic play area in the kitchen. Like, what are they learning? Like, I'm always thinking, well, what are they learning? Because they've been They've been stirring this fake stew for so long. <laughs> yeah. What are they? Well, you know, other children are coming into their space. They're having to negotiate for a space and materials. They're, there's a creativity about it where you're like, okay, now I've, I've made supper for my, they're setting the table. There's some ritual to it. They're reenacting something they've had with their families at home. Like yes. all this different things that they are learning. Although dramatically is my favorite, to be honest. I don't know why I read really? that as an example. Yeah. Cause I, <laughs> Don't love dramatic. I love dramatic. I think it's like, I love watching them do dramatic play, especially. I, like, hilarious. I think it's funny too, but as a teacher, I, yeah. I get into because like with, like with the block area or with the art table, mm -hmm. I can get into it and say, oh, we're going to stack this block onto, oh, is it going to balance? What's going to happen? It's going to fall over. Oh, let's try again. Like lots of, yeah. for me, yes. lots of ways to like get into the play and facilitate as a teacher same at the art table oh you noticed that color turned to this color when you combined them yeah, you know yeah. like lots of conversations but in the dramatic play area I'm like yeah, yum yum really yum thanks for my yum <laughs> you know like I can't really do it yeah well they do they invite you to go do they try to get you to play with them oh they love it they we love don't it. have like a dress you know we're just outside oh they love it they want they want the back and forth like I tell them and they feel in control they're on this stove I'm like I, I tell them oh go find a friend <laughs> I'm like mm -hmm. who because like, I can't. I have to keep my eye on everybody. There's I think they really like exactly. I I mean, like I like the idea that they're at the stove, played acting like because obviously their moms or their dads, their parents. Yeah. I hate to be gendered about it, but like their parents are not letting them at the stove, like the active <laughs> fiery stove, because yeah. yeah. 
and that's good but so like gives them a chance to be at a stove but then I'm like it does it really because it's not on and nobody can get there's no there's no stakes you know there's no high stakes to it I would rather cook with my children like actually cook with them because we do a lot of cooking in my classroom mixing measuring all of that like but that's real that's not dramatic play so again I bring up dramatic play because there is learning that happens there and you have to be there to witness it as a teacher to give it back to the children to put pictures up on the walls of what they're learning so parents can know that like this is what's happening here and this is how their brains are developing blah, blah. Wow. that makes me pause that yeah yes well we so, are yeah, no like how- 52 <laughs> like, minutes oh, wow. we, we, you know you and i can talk for a long time I know. but i want to get before we okay. wrap this up because okay. we want to be recording maybe for an hour okay the idea of this podcast we're calling it roll call i want to have one of those (laughs) (laughs) yeah like the 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 sound like yes yeah the idea is that parents teachers would be writing in or maybe a voice memo where they would be sending us questions Mm -hmm. about did i write this Mm mm-hmm Oh, these yeah. are the letters. Yeah. Yes. So we want to address letters coming in from parents or teachers addressing a challenge or something that's happening in their classroom, a curiosity, like they have a question about what's going on or how they can handle a particular challenge. I don't want to call it a problem because we have enough problems in this world. We have, Let's we not have <laughs> These not. are children. Yes. This is preschool. We're not talking. Challenges is good. Challenges or... is good, I think. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, because I think that when you and I are talking about challenges that happen in the classroom with parenting, we often agree, but then often I find that we agree to disagree. Uh So that's why. (laughs) So we'll have have different perspectives of nothing else. I know, right? Should we see if we agree? So the first All right, let me tell you where I got these questions. Like, so I asked teacher, I asked a parent to write me something. So these are pretty, these are pretty short, but I think that they're kind of, they're cool questions. Okay. So right, you read the first one. I'll read the first one. Let's Dear Roll see. Call. Dear Roll Call, I'm a preschool teacher facing a bit of a challenge with my co-teacher. We seem to have different approaches when it comes to discipline and interaction with our young students. While my co-teacher prefers a stricter, firmer approach, I firmly believe in leading with love and understanding. I'm struggling to find a common ground with her without compromising the way I connect with my kids. With the kids. How can I communicate effectively with my co-teacher to gain her support while staying true to my values and fostering a nurturing environment for our students? Best, anonymous. She seems really sweet. I think my first my first red flag on this one was mm-hmm. like, discipline. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I'm trying to think of what I, my first take was like, well, yeah, we're all different. That's a good one. You know, like my whole thing is like, why do you have, like, why does your teacher, this is one, like instantly what I come to is like, we don't have to teach the same way and we shouldn't because in our classrooms, Uh they're like just as individual as we are, adults are, like you're, all of your coworkers are, the children are. Yeah. And when they, as they grow up, they're going to have different teachers in their lives, bosses, coworkers, and we're all going to be different. So it actually, you're saying that actually benefits the child to learn how to deal with different yeah, personalities and expectations. Bitches, no, just kidding. Some people are mean, <laughs> and some people are nice. I mean, I don't like. Hopefully, what I would say. I mean, I don't know. Do you? You said the first I would thing, like discipline. to be a fly on the wall because yeah, 
I I would like to be a fly on the wall. She's like she's saying that her co-teacher prefers a stricter, firmer approach, and mm-hmm. she firmly believes in leading with love mm-hmm. and understanding. Mm-hmm. So it seems like maybe this teacher is kind of being strict and firm with her co-teacher exactly. about an approach. But wait, hold on, because I did I yeah. interrupted you because you said the first thing that jumped out at you was discipline. 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 <laughs> you know, that's a I think that's a strange word to use while in preschool yeah. anyway. Discipline. Wait, are you sure it's a preschool teacher? Yes, I'm sure okay, it's a okay. preschool teacher. All right. Yeah, I mean, discipline in preschool, that sounds a little a little harsh. So is her co-teacher disciplining them? And how is she disciplining them? How would you discipline a child in preschool? Would you? Well, I'm assuming okay. maybe what this person is talking about, like they'll be like, sit down, you know, prefers a stricter, firmer approach. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's just, maybe what this person, I said she, that's totally, it could be a he. Maybe what uh, they're talking about. Let's be real. About. Let's be real. <laughs> there's like one one male preschool teacher for every hundred. For every hundred. Okay. <laughs> and they're that's, the most popular. In that's, a soft, that's a soft statistic. But we're going to go with it. Yes, because, and they're going to be the most popular, yes. even though they have the like least experience. And like, Yes. Like, they'll be the favorite. Because, of course, like, they. I will say in early childhood, it's true that children spend most of their time with female yeah that's how it's been in education i'm taking you know i'm taking a master's class about the history of preschool and like it's It's always always been women yeah always been women which makes sense because which also makes sense why we get paid so less yes it all and then you talk about like child going again back to systemics like early childhood they don't care about children women a little bit so let's just that's the side let's stick to them sorry (laughs) how can i so let's so I think I'm, I'm going to stop thinking mm-hmm. about this word discipline and just yeah. counsel both of these teachers that discipline isn't really uh, a maybe that you really think it's discipline. Okay, sorry. Discipline she said isn't, discipline. Okay, so discipline isn't appropriate. Like this is the space to say that like timeouts. They're not. Mm-hmm. No, we yeah. don't do timeouts. When somebody talks about discipline in preschool, that's what I think of. I yeah. think that them like saying, "Okay, you're going to have to go sit down somewhere else." Okay. So, and then the other thing that she's inferring Mm -hmm. is that her teacher, Mm -hmm. by being firmer and stricter, is not fostering a nurturing environment for the student, which might, which mm, I don't know, might still be, might still be construed as nurturing as far as the children's Mm -hmm. experience is Mm -hmm. concerned. Yeah. I do think that she has room maybe to talk to her teacher about tone. Yeah. Like, you know, you've worked with teachers who... I mean, I've the one common thing that I don't that I see as discipline, maybe, or something that a teacher in a classroom would do that I would be probably counseling them against is calling a name across the room, mm. like "Buddy, I see what you're doing," you know, or like "Chloe, get down from there from across the room," you know what I like mean? Just as opposed to going close to them, as opposed to going yeah. close to them and having like a one-on-one kind of mm-hmm. conversation. It's more announcing that Chloe's doing mm-hmm. something, oh, yeah, not within the expectations of the classroom. I get that. So nurturing, a more nurturing approach would be to go to Chloe and say, we don't climb the bookshelves, friend. You know, (laughs) we're trying to feet on the ground, please. (laughs) I'm noticing it. It's funny. It's, yeah. I completely understand. And that I do resonate with what you just said. It makes sense. I also, for me, I think, I mean, my experience, you know, first press, and I will, for me, because before that I was at Crossroads. Right. And I guess this applies in all teaching. If you partner with someone and in first press you have four teachers in the room. That's a lot. Yeah. I think what I finally just came to is like, 
you do it, Karina teaches her way, I teach my way, and unless there is something that, like you just said, like it's calling, unless there's something that you just That affects can't. the whole classroom. Yes. Or something that you truly feel in your heart is like, really, like a timeout. So I'm assuming oh, yes. If a teacher your says, okay, you're going to have to sit here. And you would say something. I would have to. I would have to. You There's have too to. much studies. There's too many yes. things there. We know too much about timeouts and the effects of them and how isolating and how children feel rejected yes. within it. That just, you can't do timeouts. And out. it doesn't even make sense. I mean, that... what, the, what does the child learn? And this is not something that ever happens in the real world. I right. think that when it comes to preschool, I feel like it's like the place where we start learning real life skills. And if it doesn't happen in the real world, then I don't think it should happen in preschool. Like, you're not going to get a timeout. Right. Right? Right. Would you? You wouldn't get a timeout. And no one's going to yell at you from across the room. Well, I mean, that's a whole... I mean, yeah, I guess that's actually... Maybe for our next conversation, we can table all the ways... For From my perspective, the whole school... I mean, the whole school thing has to be looked at because it's very hierarchical. It's very patriarchal. It's very, um, I don't know, I don't want to say systematic. There are a lot of things with school and schools yeah. in general that I think need to be more about grades. controlling children's behavior as opposed to managing yes. a classroom. And, yeah. Like, and that's, don't even, like, that's actually another conversation would be like classroom management, how teachers, how teachers invite children yeah. or control whatever you want to yeah. call it. Like, I have so many stories of my own children in schools where it's like, looking back now, I'm just like, I'm pissed because, you know, I didn't, I mean, there were a couple of times I, there was one time I really did stand up to the teacher, but anyway, blah, blah, blah. That's another conversation. But it's hard to going back to this, I want to say that I think that you can believe in leading with love and understanding and your teacher can be more of a disciplinarian or whatever you want to. And they're not whatever the kids. No. And as far as communicating effectively yeah. with the co-teacher, to me, that, that sentence reads, how can I convince my co-teacher yes. to be more like me? Exactly. Which so, is not, yeah. Yeah, so if that's what they mean by, like, you view communi like communicating with somebody effectively as making them see your viewpoint, mm. then that might be a, a card conversation. So maybe this is the chance for this teacher to practice, like, a regular old conversation. Like, tell me about your approach, Shalena. You know, like, right. you know, where it's Shalena and Karina in a classroom, and you're stricter and firmer, and right. I'm in my view, more loving and nurturing. Right. Which is probably true and true. I don't know. I, the, the older I get, the more the more firm I get. But like, <laughs> because I do think that children, yeah. like, I do think that children need to know expectations and boundaries. And like, if they don't know those things, they're yes. going to, they're going to test the waters at all points. All the way through until they're teenagers. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry to say. And that's but... just about being respectful to the people around you. Yes. And stuff like that, so. I mean, yes, kids need boundaries. We need boundaries. But I guess, I mean, I think she should come to her teacher, to her co-teacher with a curiosity. Like, tell me about your approach. Like, tell me, like, here's what, here's, sometimes through the day, yeah. I feel like, I don't know, she might feel disempowered because you've got a teacher yeah. who's firmer and stricter yeah. and yes. you're more loving and softer. Who are the kids going to listen to more? Like, do you think? Well, so it's interesting that you bring that, because like, you, so you're saying they listen to the stricter Fear is stronger than love. Yes. Fear is stronger than love. So then I guess, so I was going to say like. And so then as a teacher, you yeah. would kind of be pigeonholed a little bit into like, so you're working with a small group and they're used, they've worked with 
a small group with your co-teacher yeah. who's firmer yeah. and you've got them in your large group and your small group and they're not really attending they're yeah. not really listening i mean the thing is like they're listening to first of all this is such a this is really a short letter, but it's got a lot. I know, questions. right? First of all, she doesn't need to have, from my perspective, she doesn't need to have a conversation with that other teacher. But when they make, it probably make her feel better if they came to, well, what if they just talked to each other? But I mean, she, it says, how can I, if you just said this, yeah, how can I Yeah, it does sound like they're trying to it convince. It sounds like if she's trying to say, like, I mean, she, the other teacher either knows how they are. Like, I will say, I'm definitely on the firm side, especially compared to my current partner, but that's just, like... You know, that's just... Oh, yeah, you're that saying that this teacher just might be like, yeah, that's how I... Yeah, like, I'm saying, like, it's effective that's the, the way, way children that I are... teach, you teach in a totally different way, so I'm not exactly sure, like, what is it that you're saying? You want me to teach like you? You want me to be like you? Right. You want... Yeah. You think that that's better? So Ooh, I guess right. it's, like, my whole... I guess my point is that if the end, if the children are listening to the harsher teacher, because I think that... You know, I like each te the children pick. You know, they pick a, a teacher that they bond to. It makes much more sense for a young child to bond with somebody who's like warm and nurturing, yeah. rather than somebody who's like a boss bitch. Yeah. So I yeah. would say, like, if kids aren't listening to you, it's not because the other teacher. It's because something with you. I think yeah. Oh, yeah. So I go back to like <laughs> she can be a, like you know screaming. At, I mean, I guess things if like they're screaming or the tone's bad or yes. you know like if, if they it's, if it's something that puts a cloud. She over would the have room to say, exactly if she, if if that's if that's how the teacher feels. She does have room to say to her co-teacher when you yell across the room like that. I feel dysregulated or I feel like takes the energy to a place to a negative place. How can we, like, can you talk to me more about that? Like, what can we do differently? Yeah. You know, like, especially in preschool. Yes. You have to go close to a child. Mary Hartzell said this, I know. Like, you have to be within as many feet as the child is old to get yeah. them to follow through yeah. on something. Where, like, so if they're one years old, you yeah. need to be within a foot. Yeah. And you're going to be doing it for them, right? Yes. Or if they're three years old, you need to be within three feet of them to, like, okay, we're going to we're gonna clean up the block area. Or is that three-year-old going to clean up the block area unless you're there with them three, within three feet? Yeah. If you want them to not climb up on the shelf, they've got to. Yeah. I think that conversation between teachers, like you should always have open lines of communication yeah. with your co. Like this is somebody you're working with very closely and you're both fostering relationships with the same children. So like yeah. it behooves you to be on the same page. I feel Not like to have the same style. It's funny because I want to say I don't know. I mean, I, I'm like now I'm not sure. I feel like I've always had a good relationship. I guess I came to, grew up in house of avoidance like avoiding difficult conversations it doesn't have to be a difficult conversation though right like it could be like a let's talk about this like there's something like i don't know i think you should be able to talk to your co about something i only talk to my co-teachers if we have like a real hmm. big oh. issue and then otherwise you're just like no otherwise i'm today. like that's her this is me Oh, it's that. like, and it's not, you know, and there have been many okay. times where like, I am pissed. Like the other day, I told you a story, I'm not going to go into it, but I was like <laughs> furious and I went through all of the emotions by myself yeah. and then I got down the mountain and I was like, you know, we, you know, and the person apologized, there was a miscommunication 
And, you know, we went That's with That's what day. I think is important to understand about, like, working with somebody closely. It's like miscommunication, misunderstanding, misalignments, all of these things yeah. are such a common thing between two people who work together yeah. every day that you should be well-practiced in... It's a partnership. It's a partnership. But, but the thing is, like, again, so... Like, you don't think that this is... I, like, we never have... There are, like, a thousand... How about this? Do you think that the way you teach is the right way? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. A right way. Okay. A right way. So you have that in your head and then you're working with somebody who does everything differently from you. Then right. by default, they're... But I have worked with teachers like that who do everything different. And I still look at her and I say, that's the right way. That is a right... I think that you have to come to the... But there's more than one way to do it. So then go back more one to way, this yeah. letter. To do it. There's more than one way to do it as far as having conversations that you can find. I mean, it's, I guess they say, I'm struggling to find a common ground. My question is, why is the common ground yours and not ah. hers? So it's like, again, I say, you do you. Right, and it doesn't sound like she's even tried to communicate anyway. So what is, you're right, what is the common ground? If she's not, if she hasn't even tried to communicate, the common ground is all in her head. Right. So she just wants to get her teacher she to She wants her to teacher it. to be more soft and gentle. And my whole thing is like, there are soft and gentle people in the world, yeah. they're brisk, yeah. you know, loud people in the world. Yeah. And let us be different. Uh -huh. And unless there is something that is really like timeouts or whatever, like she called call, calling a child a name or something she really can't live with or something yeah, that is right. really. And then you have room to be like, yes, that girl. affects her. Yeah. Or like the children are like crying all the time because the person is too, you know, yelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, which we don't know. You know. We don't know. Maybe we need a little bit more information, but I will say I do find that a lot of teachers are, you know, controlling or like to have things their way. Yeah. And right. I, Which could lead to, like, if you're like that with children, then maybe this teacher also feels like she's, that the co-teacher's being strict yeah. and firm with her, maybe. Maybe. But I think teachers need to let teachers I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to have this teacher follow up with this. Okay. All right. Next one. Dear Roll Call, this is from a parent. Okay. I'm reaching out for some guidance regarding a struggle I'm facing during drop-offs at my child's school. My little one absolutely adores school. I've seen pictures and videos of their engagement and joy. However, when it comes time for me to leave, my child protests vehemently, making it incredibly challenging for me to depart. <laughs> this is so formal. <laughs> it's truly distressing to witness this reaction when I know my child enjoys the school environment. How can I make drop-offs smoother and ease my child's distress about separation? Oh, when it comes time for the parent to leave. Oh, okay, so she's dropping off her kid yeah. in the morning. And she knows that her child protests vehemently, loves, and I'm saying yeah. her. You know, I could practice saying they. Okay. This is like, I should okay. be gender neutral. So they're dropping off their child. Yes. And they know their child loves school, sees pictures, which mm -hmm. I like this, that this is a good school. They, they document their yes. days. You yeah. see pictures and videos of how much fun they have. So you know that your child is okay when you leave. But as you're leaving, your child is crying. That happens all the time. <laughs> that is like absolutely. So I don't know how old this child is, but in preschool, yeah, it is common for children yeah. to have an emotional response at goodbye mm -hmm. because they don't have the emotional regulation to yeah. say like, "I'm feeling sad about like goodbyes are sad." They right? can be, even they if you know, to. even if you know that mommy always comes back yeah. or whatever. How can I make drop-off smoother and ease my child's distress about separation? Okay, so I'm going to go back to Mary Hartzell and the self-aware parent. I really am going to say that, I mean, I can't, I don't want to put, maybe 
I want to say like 70%, 80%. When a child is distressed about being dropped off, I would say that child is reflecting their own parents' anxiety about drop-off. Yeah, could be. And that comes from me as a nanny, having parents that would just be like, all right, mommy's going out, bye, and hand the baby to me. And maybe the baby would get a little, you know, cry, like get a little sad face. Mom walks out. I look at the baby. Okay, what are we going to do? Baby transitions. Yeah. As opposed to the mom or dad. Stick it around. Who's like, the baby starts to cry. Oh, oh, mommy's coming back. You don't have to worry. It's okay. Mommy, you know, it's like making this whole case of like how much it's okay. Like, what? Have you ever been in a a situation where somebody is telling you how okay something is and it's not? Yeah, you don't feel like it's okay. You're crying. So like you saying, you saying to your child, it's okay, it's okay, when they're obviously communicating with you through crying, right? that they don't feel okay. Like, but then what, what is this emotion then? What, you know? I think, I mean, so again, like my point is, I think that the the child, the more anxious the parent is, and maybe the parent gets anxious because the child is crying, but it's kind of like it feeds and I watch it happen all the time with parents. And I will say, like... But usually, the crying stops as soon as the parent heads out yes, the door. Yes, like, 90% he's, of this, the time. And I'm sure that it happens with this child because yes. this parent has seen yeah, videos and pictures, pictures yeah. of her enjoying her day. So they they know that their child is fine. Okay, so I'm going to say, it says, how can I make drop-off smoother and ease my child's distress? Oh, you have to worry, not worry about easing your child's okay. distress. I'm going to say, I want you, parent, to look at your own attitude and feelings about what's happening at drop-offs, because I, my feeling is that you are stressed out about drop-offs because your child cries, and instead of being like, my child cries because they are, are saying goodbye to me, and that's yeah. how they say goodbye, and I'm going to give them a big hug and say, I love you, I hope you have a good day, I'll see you at pickup, bye-bye. And leave, I'm going to say that if that parent adopted a different practice, like did not feel so stressed and anxious about their child's separation, I feel like it would write itself in a relatively short time. Or there are a few, there are some children, like that is just the way they that's say just, goodbye. That's what I'm going to say. Have to cry. That's what I'm going to say too. I'm going to say like, there's, especially if a child is pre-verbal, even if they're not, like we're talking preschool here. Mm-hmm. So emotional regulation is something that people learn. And it doesn't, that learning is not completed in preschool, right? It continues on. And there are some people who don't have it as their adults. (laughs) Yeah. But it is a life skill that begins in preschool. And I do think that that is a lot of of how a child is communicating goodbye. Like that is how they're saying goodbye. Yes. It can, it can be. It just, like, interpreting the child for the parent, it could just be she's saying, I love you. I'll miss you. I wish you could stay, but you can't. Right. So I'm going to cry about it. I know she has to go. Like all of these thoughts are in this child's feelings and they don't have like the words to to say. Because how many times have I seen a child go (laughs) crying at drop off? And then as soon as the parent walks out the door. It's a classic child move. I mean, it's like completely, it's intelligence. And one thing I also, like what I tell parents, I say to them, I mean, now. Oh, you think that a child is like, by crying, oh. They'll, their parent, well, I'm sorry to say, but when there's a parent that comes back when their child cries, yeah. absolutely. They're going to cry. Have parents. That's what, that's what, that's, that's what children do. Like yes. babies do this where they basically crowdsource their cry where they're like, what is the quality, the length, the tone, 
the volume of cry that will yes. get my parent to come into this room and get me out of script right now, or will get that this person right. to feed me because I'm hungry or whatever. Yeah. And then in preschool, they still have that in them where they're saying, what's the kind of cry that's going to get my mom to stick around a little or get my yeah. character to stick around? Absolutely. I mean, children are highly, highly advanced. It's not manipulation. It's just a, I mean, that word feels very negative, although could use it, but it's a type of it's a tactic. How about a tactic? I mean, you know, a strategy. A strategy. I'm sorry. If you know that your parent is going to be like, you know, your mom is going to come back if you cry, which I have seen parents where the parent is out the door, or like I even have like I have a couple parents right now. It can be really frustrating because the child would be totally fine, and but I also understand. And the parent has said, like, I'm going to get ready to go. I'm going to be leaving. Oh, I don't like I just want them to say goodbye and leave. Like, I don't want them to, like. They'll they'll say, like, okay, I have to, mommy has to do this, or daddy has to do that. And then, so it gives some language about that. And then they'll they'll kind of, they'll say, okay, I'm going to go. And then the kid will say no. And then they'll say, like, goodbye. But then they come back for whatever reason. I'm always like, you say goodbye, just go really quickly. That's what I want to do. But But also, I wonder what the goodbye routine is like, because you could institute like a routine that is the same thing where you come into the classroom and um, read a book because there's like ending. A plan. Yes. A plan. Parents all the time, like a specific plan. Have a plan for your goodbye. Short. Yeah, and you don't want to. You don't want it to be exactly. You don't want to be in the dramatic player. I'll play tea with you no. before I leave. No, or I'll draw with you before I leave. One that's picture. Open ended. I'll draw one. One picture. picture. Okay, but a book is a really nice thing because yeah. it's like you know your child will sit in your lap yeah. and you'll read a book and then the book yeah. is over and then that's a natural yeah. ending where you can just say okay goodbye I'll see you at the end of the day or I'll see you at dinner or whatever. So a plan, but it's like, again, I want to go, so addressing this person, however, when it comes time for me to leave, my child protests, making it incredibly challenging. So, okay. So first of all, there's something, again, like in this letter, I hear that the parent needs to do a little self-work. Yeah. And then I also hear that it's like my child protests. Yes. And then you can say, you reflect with your child, you're really upset because you really want mommy to stay and, you know, I would love to stay, but mommy has to go to work or daddy has to go, you know, and make it incredibly leave. challenging for me to depart. I love you. Bye. Yeah. Leave. Because if you stick around and you're like, oh, my baby, oh, my poor baby, it doesn't instill confidence in the child that you're confident about. Like, exactly. you've, you've done your work. You've picked the school. You've picked the classroom. You're, you hopefully have a good relationship with the teachers. Like, every you should, if you can, like, going back to your story about the baby, the mom gives you the baby and says, okay, I'm going and leaves. She's demonstrated full confidence in your abilities to take care of this baby. Like, okay, you're in charge. The child in preschool is going to, is the same thing where if a mom is like, what do I do about this? The child's going to internalize that. and be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't feel good about this place. Like maybe, you know, exactly. And I 100% and I always, I always say like the mom, the parents are like the head, the child is the, or not the head. Like I'm saying, like, the parents are in charge. They're the leaders. Yeah. They set the boundaries. Yes. They set the tone. They set, you know, it's like you are the alpha. You're in charge. Can I? And then, yes. Exactly. Like, yeah. I forgot to read the, the closing. It yeah. says, hoping for your insights, patient but pitiful parent. Yeah, no. No, <laughs> no, no. No, no. Right? So that, no, that actually yeah. clues me in, like, yeah. a little bit. Like, oh, you're, the drop-offs are about you. Yes. They're drops off about you. Yeah. You're patient, so that means you probably stick around longer than you should. You're pitiful, which means you're probably emoting. 
Yes. In front of your child more than you should be yes. because like, let's be real. Your, your kid's in a safe, loving place. Yes. You've chosen it. Yes. So walk away with confidence. Why are you pitiful? Yes. I 100%. Yeah. 100%. This to me has more to do about the parent and the child. I will also say that I always tell parents, because now I kind of like, I used to try to get more involved, you know, first press with all the crazy separation that goes on for, you know, a long time. And by the way, during COVID, all of that ended. Oh, yeah, so because you're just pulling them out of cars yes. and like, yeah, I mean, I still saw a lot of crying, but like ended so much quicker. Yes. And so that's right there yeah. is like a good indication of like how sometimes we as adults are kind of like superimposing our understanding onto yes. this experience. That crying means something more right. than it actually does. It just can mean, I don't have the words yet, or the emotional the regulation. I'm going to miss you. Yes. The eyes are hard and, and yeah. not have the tears. And I really want to be with you. I yeah, wish yeah. I could stay with you. Yeah. But, you know, yes, the child has fun. Okay. But what was I... There was one more thing about drop. Oh, with, with drop offs now, like try to stay mostly out of it. Sometimes when I see it's going on, sometimes we have like eight kids in the van ready to go and one kid and one parent are not being able to separate. So at some point, if I have to, I'll just say like, these are our options. Like you can just give them to me and I'll hold them. Right. And, you know, if, and I always tell parents now, like, if it is beyond normal or something that I know is not Maybe normal, sick I will call yeah, you. Right. So I just say, like, I will call you if it doesn't. And I say that's parents too. I'll call you. You know what? I'll send you a picture in like five minutes of her at the snack table being totally fine. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. So that. Yay. Yay. We answered the roll call letter. And at this point, my notes say that we have to encourage listeners to engage, share their thoughts, and provide feedback. I want more letters. I want more letters. Yes. I don't know where we're going to get the next couple of letters. I, I'm nice going to ask parents for okay. at my school because I have like a chill relationship. Okay, that sounds nice. And next time we're going to talk, we're going to do a little more research on Dr. Spock because I really do think that there's like, there's still some buzzwords out there about parenting and parenting styles. There's a big conversation, at least at my preschool, about how gentle parenting is kind of messing us up at the preschool level. Yes, that's a great, that's another great topic. And I, yeah. I, I get it. I do. I see some of them where I'm just like, this is not going to end well because you're not asserting. And I say assert. How about this? We're adults. Like I will say, had a child, yeah. a preschool age child who said, I'm smarter than you. And I was like, you know what? Oh, you might, you be. might be. <laughs> I was like, this is a possibility. And I said, but I'm, I'm definitely older. Old. Yeah, totally. And I just had there are things more that I've experience. Seen, just it's just know. you just have no idea. I've so, been out of the country. I've been married. Yes. Like, what do you? So can we just <laughs> like put a baseline of like most adults? Not all adults. I'm sure there are a few adults that are less intelligent than a five year old. But yeah. for the most part, can we just say that like we get to be in charge only because and I don't know in charge is the wrong word. I don't know. Well, we gotta what. keep body safe. Like yes. children, let's be real, have death wishes. And want to die within their first yes, three years, yes. you know, want right. to, yes. will aggravate yes. the universe, get it yes. done. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about that yes. next time. And we'll read a couple more letters, maybe in yeah. a couple of weeks. All right. So are we supposed to, are we going to have like a roll call? Do we have like a, <laughs> thank <laughs> you for listening to roll call. <laughs> I don't know how to stop it. Oh, wow.